0: And welcome into another edition of Thirty Rack of Sports. We've got we've got quite the beer, which we'll intro here in just a second. But also, uh, we're talking championship odds. We're talking uh, Joe Kelly's suspension. We're talking college football, whether or not it it may or may not happen, and uh, the schedule is going on. Then we're also talking some nineteen nineties MLS hockey style. Oh yeah. Penalty kick. So stick around and uh, sit back, have a beer. And listen to 30, yeah. I'm the Talent. I'm Greg. To my right, the guy whose mind has drastically changed on Strip Club Buffalo Wings this week. It's Zach. Zach, how are we doing this week? I'm doing good, Greg. Yeah, I uh, had Magic City Wings. Someone
1: sent me a photo. Someone had ordered Magic City Wings. They look delicious. I, I Yeah, I'm leaning towards the other they way. They look fantastic. They're crispy. Those, they're so crispy. They are Blue they oil, look good. It Pepper barbecue. I'm all they over that. They look good. Um, yeah, I'm, I switched sides on there. I'm also a little butthurt about your guys' secret. They had a secret meeting without me. Uh, yesterday, apparently, and I thought I was going to roll in and be
0: Mike Golick. You guys were like, you're done. Today's your last show. Well, that (laughs) wasn't the only controversy that we had. The other voice that you hear, the man to the left of me, actually was trying to relocate the studio because of alleged fire ants around here, but actually he was just watching too many Bryson DeChambeau clips. He just kind of got that out of his head. It's our producer, man at the ones and twos, it's Josh. Josh, how are we doing today? I'm great,
2: very topical, both of you. Uh, Lou, great topical comeback there. Greg, very topical uh, dig on me there, I guess. Uh, I don't like fire ants, I really don't. Um, so if we ever did have fire ants here, please let me know.
0: Oh! Near the way. That's
1: awesome, yeah, how do you do that? That's
0: all righty, and our beer of the week for this week. It's kind of a weird one, guys. It's a collaboration between Seventh Son and Little Fish. It is Metaphysical Graffiti Vegan Pineapple Milkshake IPA. Now, this is a collaboration between Seventh Son in Columbus, Ohio, and Little Fish mm. in Athens, Ohio. This is a, once again, a vegan pineapple milkshake mm-hmm. IPA. Um, so... I'm nervous. This is uh,
2: probably one of the stranger beers I've ever tried. We yeah. have to try it. This is our first try right here. So. I haven't tried it yet. All
0: right, All right give che- it. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Hey, hey. Hey. I'll let you guys try it real quick so I can actually talk over it because it's a podcast. It's a- right. Good call.
2: Great Great production. It's hey, color. no problem.
1: I mean. First sip was a little little jolt. There's a lot there. Jolt to the mouth, yeah. It's uh,
0: definitely like the milkshake IPA still. It's... hmm yeah, you it definitely taste like a milkshake. You get that, like, I don't even know, like, frothiness or something yeah. at the end that you get out of a milkshake. But the, right. I think the pineapple on the front, I'm not a huge fan of milkshake IPAs, Mm-mm. but I really do like the pineapple on the front. If you like milkshake IPAs, and you like especially Fruity Bears, this is nice. I mean, there's—the thing about the milkshake IPAs, you don't really get any of the hop that you expect out of your regular IPAs, but—
2: No, you no, kind of it definitely. Different. And a lot of milkshake IPAs, to me— they are a little overbearing on the dairy um, yeah, and it's just a little too much like milk in your beer but this is very well balanced and still has like a fruitiness to it and a little bit of hoppiness
0: yeah um, and it, it doesn't, doesn't have outweigh that the
2: IPA it's all it's all very balanced
0: yeah i would say the one issue that i yeah like you said the the dairy is just too much you just get, like, a little twinge of, like, you know, what? I think I've had, like, a raspberry and a blueberry one where you just get, like, a little bit of blueberry and then it's just the milkshake flavor. And this one, mm-hmm. you, you actually kind of get the full complement of flavors. Flavor. This is a very unique beer, though. Yeah, cause I, I mean, I've seen, like, the ones, you know, with, um, for people with celiac and whatnot. Right. Uh, the, the gluten-free ones, the dairy-free one or well not really even dairy-free but some dairy-free ones but i've never really seen a vegan beer so
1: no no so very cool it is very cool very cool good and seventh
0: son
2: in columbus they ohio fishes in athens yeah
1: they yeah like cows, the cows in, the in the window it's cool it's like a teaser like there's not any dairy in there
0: though the cows are happy because the they're not getting all out. milked out look at the cows living their lives I just drinking some milkshake IPAs we should have like thrown a,
1: some uh, that milkshake song on over this milkshake the brings all the boys to the, the yard right. Right.
0: so uh, yeah, I kept thinking be sure to check out this collaboration uh, one of the many collaborations between seven son and little fish and it's a little bit of a weird one it might take a little bit to, to get you ready to try something that's out there as a vegan pineapple milkshake IPA but let the three of us tell you it's pretty good it is good it's pretty yeah. good yeah. beer
2: Right.
0: Got the boys with both Ohio teams' dreams of MLS's back tournament glory were thrashed as both the crew and FCC fell in penalties to Minnesota and the Portland Timbers, respectively. Both teams equalized after falling behind, but late misses for wins from uh, both the crew's Zilla Ryan and FCC's Locadia mixed with Ohio goalkeepers saving zero of nine possible penalty kicks spelled doom for both the crew and FCC. In Toronto, the Blue Jackets are primed and ready to face the Leafs Sunday after dispatching Boston 4-1 in their tune-up game. Boone Jenner, Zach Rowinski, and Gus Nyquist all scored in the first period to get the Jackets out to a quick 3-0 lead they would hold on to. And in baseball, Ohio had a mixed bag facing the teams from Chicago this week, with the Tribe taking two of three from the Southside Sox, while the Redlegs dropped two of three versus the Northside Cubbies. And those are your OH headlines. And now we move on to a new segment. Not really a new segment, an old segment.
2: Just really a betting corner. it okay, oh, our betting corner segment over and under. Not over-unders
0: today, but still a rambling gambling segment. Rambling, gambling with the guys at 30 Rack. We're doing some championship odds today as all of the, well, at least three of the four major sports uh, start to get ramped up. You know, football, going back to training camp, but uh, MLB, NBA, and NHL getting started either last week or, or this weekend. So we're doing some championship odds. Uh, we're going to start off with the MLB, uh, give some odds to some teams and We want to get your picks, uh, maybe which ones you'd go with, what's a good value pick, and maybe what's a sleeper. So uh, we're going to start with the MLB, as I said. Uh, The best odds for the World Series are the Dodgers at plus 380, the Yankees at plus 400, and then the Astros at plus 1,100, Braves at plus 1,300, Twins at plus 1,500, Rays at plus 1,700. The Reds are with the Cubs and the A's at plus 2200 and the Indians are with the Nats and the White Sox at plus 2500. What? Zach, you seem to have a little bit of a problem with where the Indians
1: are. I mean, below the Reds get the fuck out of here, man. Uh yeah, that that's a great value pick there. The Indians, take the Indians at 2500 even after last night.
2: Yeah, I'd say yeah. the Indians are definitely looking better than the Reds right now. We'll find out this week, but uh well yeah. But yeah, I'm going with, uh, I guess, eat in each of these leagues, I've got a different type of pick, uh, a go-to pick, your value pick, and a dark horse pick. And um, contrary to what's going on right now with the Reds, I'm still t- taking the Reds as my dark horse at plus 2,200. Homer. Oh. Um, I just don't, I out of all the dark horses in the MLB, on paper still, and there's still plenty of time. I still like the Reds as the dark horse. I really like a little them.
1: objectivity here, Josh, in the show. I think
2: the Dodgers choke in the NLCS like they normally do, and the Reds beat the Yankees in uh, Game 7 of the World Series. Reds plus 2,200.
0: That's my pick. Um, My original pick before some of this Corona stuff came out was actually the Cardinals, who have a pretty solid roster, were like yeah. plus 2,700. And you're like, really? The Cardinals all the way down there. But now that they're kind of... In an interesting spot, I might go a different way. Um, I would say probably if I had to take someone at the top, I would take the Yankees. But I think my sleeper pick would be the A's. They have good pitching. They have some guys that can hit some homers. And they've been really good at the beginning of this year. You know, being able to put it all together. They have some strong starting pitchers. And they have a few, uh, you know, relievers that can really close it down. So I would go with the A's. Just sprinkle a little bit, you know. Star course, don't really expect too much, but they're a team that could definitely go on a run. I like the objectivity there. I was going to go with the you Cubs, did, you did. Oh, but A's, it, A's do have some great pitching. Uh, so someone has to be objective around here, oh, unlike you fellas. Whoa, whoa. From the MLB to the bubble in Orlando, with the NBA just getting started on Thursday, uh, best odds for the NBA championship Uh, The Lakers and the Bucks at plus 250, the Clippers at plus 333, the Rockets at plus 1,400, the Raptors at plus 1,600, the Celtics and the Sixers at plus 2,000, the Nuggets and the Heat at plus 3,000, and the Jazz at plus 3,300. We're going to start with you here first, Josh. Who are you going with in the NBA, Uh, in the association? Like I
2: said last week, uh, and I'm going to stick with it. I'm going with the Lakers. I usually don't like to pick the favorite, but I'm going with the Lakers at plus 250. And the key to the Lakers isn't LeBron James. It's Anthony Davis and whether he can take over games like he did against the Clippers. The only problem is, is when JaVale McGee comes on and Anthony Davis isn't at center, the, uh, the Lakers were minus 13 when they opened the second half and Anthony Davis wasn't in center. He can't drive the lane when he's not at center. He can't run that offense. When he is able to drive the lane, he went to the free throw line, uh, what, 17 times in that game? Um, and LeBron still took over at the end and made, you know, the plays to get him through the game. But LeBron wasn't great. He was bad. He was like
0: true for 11. For so
2: 11 Anthony shots. Davis is the key there. But I still think, you know, the Lakers have enough pieces if they get into some trouble, they'll be able to pull it off.
0: Zach, what about you? Um...
1: Yeah, I think is hard. In my opinion, there's usually only, like, three teams who legitimately can win it. Um, so I'll go. I mean, I think the Lakers are a good pick, Bucks. I'll, I'll go with the next tier down. We'll go the Clippers. Even after that loss last night, I still I still think they're dangerous. I still like them. You know, you still got Kawhi Leonard, who plays both ends of the ball and can dominate. Yeah, the Clippers are a great defensive team. Right, and I think in, you get in the seven-game series, that, that has an effect. And then you still got PG, obviously, 13, who can... You'll know, give you thirty a night, so um I think that would be my pick if you want better odds, but can't can't blame the Lakers pick though.
0: Yeah, I would say if I if I had to go with my, my most comfortable pick, it would be the Bucks at plus mm-hmm. two fifty. Uh Giannis is an absolute monster. Friday night, I believe had thirty five, seventeen, and uh seven. So he had I think he has the second most double doubles in the first half. This season behind Andre Drummond, who just grabs like 25 rebounds a game. So he's been an absolute monster. If I had to pick a good value pick, I would say the next tier down has a couple of interesting teams from the L.A. and the Bucks tier. You look at the Rockets, they can score a lot, but they certainly have their issues at center that could be exploited. I would say the Raptors are a very interesting team. They won the championship last year. Of course, they lost their best player. But they have a budding superstar in Pascal Siakam, who is an unbelievable player with really great length who can get to the bucket. You have Kyle Lowry, who can run that offense very well. And then you have a stretch player that can also match up against some of these stretch bigs in Serge Ibaka. So they have a lot of talent there. And if you want a little bit of a value pick, obviously the NBA is more chalk than some of the other sports. Right. I would probably take the Raptors. Going from one of the more chalk sports to one of the more just wild playoffs and and wild sports to the nhl you can kind of see um you know best odds in the nba and the mlb plus 250 plus 380 and the nhl best odds to win the championship right now plus 650 the bruins and the lightning are the favorites uh the golden knights plus 800 avalanche plus 900 Uh, capitals flyers blues plus a thousand stars and penguins plus 1500 Oilers plus twenty three hundred, the Leafs at plus twenty nine hundred, and then the third worst odds at plus sixty five hundred, the hometown Columbus Blue Jackets at plus sixty five hundred. So, uh, Zach, who (laughs) are you looking at? I know you're excited for the Cup. I am. I am.
1: You know, as the hockey expert on the panel. um, (laughs) No, I. I'm gonna go to the Blue Jackets, right? I think uh, going from the NBA. <laughs> <coughs> if I'm a gambling man, here's my idea. <coughs> Out of all the sports we were just talking about, I think like MLB is usually mid tier. You got like a handful of teams. The NBA is chalk. No worth honestly betting below the Clippers on that. NHL is always insane, so. I mean,
0: you know, he has up. won the championship quite a few times. I mean, the the Kings did it in the in right, early so, in the last decade.
2: Right, so I'll we'll take the Blue upside. The have plenty of experience beating the playoff underdog, and they smacked the Bruins the other night. I mean, yeah, four, so four to they,
0: one. you look at the top two teams as far as odds. The Lightning, they dispatched in the playoffs last mm-hmm. year. The Bruins, they beat pretty good in the exhibition game and put them through a good series last year, so. I know it's a little bit maybe tongue-in-cheek, but if you want to take a very good value pick... That's what I'm saying. I'm like, you know, what the hell? So, quite the interesting pick. Uh, (laughs) Josh, over to you. Who are you taking? Uh, I'm staying
2: uh, home with the team that's home to the sports books, the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm going with them at plus 800. Here's the thing. The Knights have all their lines just have weapons on them. Uh, their one weakness is they lean on Marc-Andre Fleury, a deteriorating and Marc-Andre Fleury, who's much slower than he used to be, but still plays as aggressive still as they always... Still a Hall of Fame goalkeeper. Yeah, still a Hall of Fame goalkeeper. I've always thought he's very aggressive, but now he's just slower. I think they could uh, lean on uh, Robin Lehner a little bit more. But, you know, in the East, there's just, like, the Bruins got smacked by the Blue Jackets, and then the Lightning are like the Dodgers of the NHL. They always bounce early from the playoffs. Shout out Blue Jackets. But... In the West, I don't see a team like the Knights. In the East, I think it'll be a crapshoot. Knights at plus 800.
0: Uh, So for this one, I hate to do this. I really, really hate to do this. But if I had to pick one team, at least on this list so far, it's probably the Penguins at plus 1500. They have probably still the best player in the league at Sidney Crosby. Uh, Matt Murray has been a guy that has shown he can get hot during the playoffs, obviously championship pedigree. So some very good odds there, plus 1,500 I would take. The other one that I'd be interested about, I've seen him at plus 4,000, plus 5,000, the Blackhawks. Now they're not the team that won three championships earlier this decade, but they still have two top 10 players in... Uh, Kane and Tabes. So, once again, if you want to sprinkle some real long odds like the Blue Jackets, maybe the Blackhawks as well. But if I had to pick a team up here, I would say the Penguins. You know, sometimes talent wins out, and I would hate to see what it. What
1: do you got on What do you got?
0: Look, it I want have, the We are an Ohio
1: sports happen. show, right? It could
0: happen, and no, I, agree, no. I agree with you. I'm all. rooting for plus. I would hope you win that bet. <laughs> I would hope my ass loses that bet. I would happily take a loss there. <laughs> But especially, some of us have to be objective. Especially this, this guy betting
2: on Pittsburgh. And since you are being objective, I guess I'll take back my East as a crap shoot. The Penguins are a very
0: strong, what, plus 1,500? Yeah. That's a very strong value. No, but I, I do like the Knights because, yeah, you look at, you know, the top teams. Most of them are from the East. Really, the only West teams are the Knights, the Avalanche, which don't have a lot of experience. Stars, kind of been up and down. And then you can't trust any Canadian teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs. No. So. And The Knights are deep, man. It could happen. Yeah, you never know. Well, let us know at our social media. What is that, Josh?
2: Uh, That's at 30RackOfSports on Facebook,
0: Twitter, and Instagram. What are your best championship bets? Whether or not it's a favorite, whether or not it's an underdog, or or what's your best bet? Maybe it's uh, odds for the NBA eight seed. I really like the magic at plus 200 to get the 8th seed. Maybe it's something like that. Let us know on Facebook, Twitter, Twitter and Instagram. Instagram. Gary Clark down there is going to carry the magic. It'll happen. Scary Gary Clark. Moving on to our first conversation of the show. We're talking the big series happening this week in both Southwest and Northeast Ohio. The Battle of Ohio returns this baseball season as the Reds and the Indians hook up for two games on Monday and Tuesday in Cincinnati. And two games uh, on Wednesday and Thursday in Cleveland. Uh, two teams, kind of traveling in uh, different directions. Through Friday, the Reds were two and five, and zero oh and five in games that Sonny Gray did not start. Um, and then also through Friday, the Indians, though out to a five and three start, had some offensive issues in their first three games, with only providing three total runs of support in their three losses. So, going over to our Indians expert, Zach. Zach, what are your expectations from the Cleveland side in this Battle of Ohio? Uh,
1: my expect I mean, because of the Reds, I expect, you know, four game sweep. Four games.
0: I was going to say maybe three.
1: I mean, I would four. gladly take three. Yeah, but I, I think four games. Um, you know, th- that's my expectation. That's assuming the offense... Gets going here. That's the concern. That's, um, you know, you can't... Obviously, Clevenger pitched last night. uh, Not great, but honestly, he battled. And only, you know, they were in the game. I mean, four runs.
0: Yeah, it was 3 nothing after the first, but only giving up four runs total. And then...
1: And they just... I mean, they squeaked a run across. Part of that was some a misplay by the twins shortstop second baseman not sure who was gonna take an easy ground ball and it just skirted through and i got jose home but i mean yeah i mean look at the stats right now I mean, you got jose doing work he's hitting 429 529 obp but everybody else you know uh, hernandez night that was a nice signing you know hitting 333 the 400 obp but everybody else is in the low twos the ones right now um
0: yeah, not a whole lot of run sport. Even Thursday yeah. night, you know, getting a great start from Bieber. Right. Only, well, both only his getting, starts. Yeah, only getting what two runs in both of them, right? Right. Yep. Both yeah, they not- scored four wins.
1: runs across oh. his two starts, and he just shut them out. I mean, and ben... also uh, Bieber
0: set or tied a record. For, MLB record, set the AL record. Okay. Yeah, tied the MLB record in the live ball era for most strikeouts in his first two starts of the season with mm-hmm. twenty-seven. So that's starting they rotation. They passed Nolan Ryan
1: in the AL. Nolan Ryan had the AL at 22, so by five strikeouts. So good company. And he's been dominating. Otherwise, pitching's been great. Starting
0: pitching's been great. Uh, Bullpen's you know, been... All right, up and down. But Okay. Yeah, really, Brad he... Hand's really the big issue there. But... Yeah, really, the the offense just needs to get going. And against a team that has had a litany of bullpen issues, has been able to score some runs, but has had decent starting pitching, to decent to good starting pitching, honestly, and a pretty horrendous bullpen in the Reds. Josh, what are you expecting out of this uh, big series?
2: Um, the thing, the thing that I'm most looking forward to, um, to twist your question a little bit, is the pitching matchups. Um, we aren't going to get the uh, highly anticipated no. Bauer Clevenger matchup because of a lot some, of talk on Twitter, some about rain. rain, yeah, uh, postponements. But yeah, that was an interesting little. Twitter exchange that the two of them had. Uh, It does look like uh, the uh, best buddies of uh, Mike Anthony and Trevor Bauer will go against each other on Wednesday. But the Reds and the Indians have had similar issues in where they get great starting pitching and not run support. And I could argue that the Reds and Indians both have leading Cy Young candidates, um, one in um, Sonny Gray for the Reds Mm -hmm. and with... um, Shane Bieber for the Indians, um, but had, uh, excuse me, uh, Shane Bieber has gotten some more run support than uh, Zach Plesac has. Like Zach Plesac had a great, oh, he um, had a great, great start. Outings, but Zach Plesac
0: went eight innings, innings, ten strikeouts. Oh, he's as a, as a guy who they didn't even think, you know, was kind of on the edge of making the starting rotation, and he pitched fantastic. But and you got Pluko, who
1: will go into the bullpen. Pluko will be a bullpen guy, but he came out through six innings of uh.
2: Pleaseak, going to be going up against Sonny Gray now, and um. Both of them are allowing very few hits. Pleaseak just allowed three hits in that game that you guys were talking about, and then Sonny Gray right now holds the MLB record of 35 consecutive starts with six hits or fewer allowed. So, and Sonny Gray's already got 20 strikeouts on the year. so gray's been dealing beaver's been dealing but yeah you're not getting the run support that you thought you would get um in either teams i think the indians definitely have i don't know if i want to say better or more consistent middle of the lineup right now um and that's why i would expect i think and both I guess teams it are on what night
1: what exactly. you're playing
2: and what team you're going to get um the reds are at least settling into a lineup now and i think i hope david bell is a uh,
0: and having Stepping having some players back like having Mustakis back it mm-hmm. will definitely help. I honestly see a couple close low scoring games and then just one game that either team wins like 8 to 1 yep. just cuz yeah. of bullpens or whatever. But it also depends on what kind of bullpen shows up. I could definitely see a game that was 0-0 zero, zero through 6 and then ends up being 5 to 4 just cuz of the bullpens. Right. So It'll be an interesting series It'll be a fun from series. both
2: sides. Well, and I think Tyler Malley might go out there um, Tuesday night for the Reds. That could be interesting cuz Tyler is definitely one of those guys as we've talked about before on the show who depends on how he wakes up that morning. I mean against the Cubs he was not terrible but not bad. He, he only lasted 4 innings, uh, 2 runs on 6 hits um And that's the key to the Reds is you have to be able to go deep in games because this bullpen is just
0: yeah all over nothing. the place right now. Because I know even the one game that Sonny Gray pitched well, you know it was seven to nothing for a while, and then you were starting to get some some sweaty palms time. And you know if the bullpen could have held on, you know after a big five run start for the Cubs, with the Cubs bullpen mm-hmm. kind of collapsing at the end, they could have had a shot. But when you just keep giving up runs and giving up runs, then you're out of games and it was like last night the bullpen you know turned a decent uh decent castillo starting to kind of a a runaway and you know what could have been a 3-2 game late was a 7-2 game late so Mm -hmm. it'll certainly be interesting to see where both of these teams are at and at this point probably a bigger series for the reds to see if they can get back on track but definitely a big series for both teams you know the indians can possibly start to take a little bit of control in the AL Central, and the Reds just kind of got to get
2: things back on track. The Indians are at least, you know, winning or tying
0: series. The Reds
2: are in danger of dropping two series to the Detroit Tigers here. And, yeah, that's something something that we have said in every prediction segment that we've done. We've said that you have to win the division games. You can't drop the series to the nobody teams like the Tigers – or the um, Royal Tigers, Royals, Royals or Pirates, the Pirates. Like you can't drop those series, and you're in danger of dropping. We're recording on a Saturday morning earlier than we usually do, but like per Mondays, everyone's listening to this. Who knows? The Reds could have dropped two of three series to the Detroit Tigers to start the year.
0: Yeah, and they could have dropped. I mean, three series total. Yeah, they, and obviously, yeah. you know, the Cubs were kind of looked to be one of those teams that the Reds are competing against, so. Just like the Indians and the Twins, you have to win those teams against win those games against those teams that you're close with. So when you're losing games to teams that you're close with and teams that you should, on paper, be at least taking two out of three, probably sweeping, then you're in kind of a, a tough situation.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, and it sucks because, like I said, I truly do believe that if Shane Bieber and Sonny Gray can each individually put put on quite quite the show for the Cy Young Award in their respective uh, in their respective leagues but at the same time like we've seen pitchers that have been close to the Cy Young before and their team might not make the playoffs or their record's not as good because they don't get the run support and they don't win the Cy Young because of that so yeah. you don't want to endanger these guys like even if you get nothing else nothing else out of the season like Bieber and Gray are putting together some amazing performances and they're not getting the help that they so deserve
1: no, you're right. I mean, I think, no, I agree historically that's generally what's happened. But I think recently with the Grom, we saw it with uh, King Felix in Seattle. Yeah. You know, people are starting to parse together. Those yeah, teams were bad like, and, you Williams know, right. yeah. yeah. But I agree. I mean, you can, though. That that does hurt them as far as voting can, is concerned. Now,
2: I will say I think we've seen who the clutch players are on each team. Uh Frankie uh, had that clutch two-run bomb the other night. Um, right. And then when Mustakas and Senzel, they tested negative for COVID, they came back into the lineup. Mustakas uh, has been good. Mus-
0: Castellanos has been really good. Castellanos
2: so. has been great. But with Mustakas and Senzel in the middle of the lineup there, they've been pretty much the only ones piecing together runs lately. Um, so you've really got you know those clutch guys and everything, but it's time you start having other guys step up. Like mm-hmm. It's not too late right now for anybody. No, no, by no means. But But it's one of those things. That too late moment is gonna come soon. It's coming soon. Sixty games. Yeah. So so once
0: you probably get through about twenty games, you should be able to figure out where everybody is. So Mm -hmm. certainly an interesting series, and honestly a pivotal series for both teams to kind of see where they're at. So
2: you guys want to give your give your predictions on uh, series series outcome?
0: Is this this gonna be a forty?
2: I I don't I don't know if this is gonna be a forty.
0: I think it should be a forty bet.
2: Yeah, Between let's do door. a forty okay. bet. All right, all, all right, right. right, fine. We'll do a forty bet here.
0: Um, well, obviously he's
1: gonna take the Reds. I'm gonna take the. Reds.
0: Well, uh, well, I
2: was just. Now going I'll give to, a prediction. Well, because my prediction was going to be a, a two-two split. Oh, okay. So do I have to hit a two-two split or better? For those of you that don't for just to yeah. introduce this whole thing. Whenever there is a big Ohio showdown or game of exponential significance, we are doing what we call a 40 bit, um, where one of us has to, the loser has to drink a 40. Instead of this instead of this it's, nice beer yeah, that we have, of the beer of the
1: week, we bring we, every week. We yeah, someone's going to a gonna drink a 40. Um, okay, so if you're going to take a split, so I, I win.
0: I think split, you guys would tie. No one would have to drink it or... I don't know. Maybe
1: that... I mean, I think it, it should be a straight-up bet. He's a Reds fan yeah, on the Indians. I think, that, I think, I think, think should that should be, be it.
0: All
2: right, fine. But your prediction is you feel... My prediction is that it will be a 2-2 split. Um, okay. I agree that each with what you said earlier, Greg, um, or whichever one of you said it, um, there will be one game each for each team that they win, like by one or two runs, we'll have two good games, and then each team will have a, a blowout uh, win. Yeah. All
1: right. I, 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 think, I still split. think 3-1. At least the Indians, I like the because uh, they're going to come in with police sack. Uh It's a second start, but I, I really like the kid. Uh, and then I, then they're rolling back into Bieber, um, Clevenger been shaky. I think the Reds could jump on him again early. He's had those issues early, so I could see that one getting away from the Indians game three, and then uh, game four going back to Cookie. We'll see what Cookie has tonight, but um, I'm confident they can take three or four.
0: All righty, so. The Reds on one side, the Indians on the other side. Be sure to give us your thoughts. My thoughts are also with the Indians. <laughs> but give us your thoughts at 30 Rack of Sports on our social media accounts. I think now we're ready to read some beer, though.
2: And now, Zach's reciting of the con.
1: This is the fourth collaboration between Seventh Son and Little Fish, a smooth pineapple milkshake body with no lactose, because vegans deserve dessert beers too. Boo. And by the way, we found out this name. They did not come up with the name, I don't think. What? Metaphysical Metaphysical Graffiti? Metaphysical Graffiti. When I typed in Metaphysical Graffiti into Google... The Google? The Google. What? The first thing came up was that it was the name... Of the fifth album by the Dead Milkmen.
2: Who could forget oh. my favorite cow punk? punk band. Our
1: favorite cow punk bands, favorite favorite band of the
2: show. I get through my workouts doing cow punk. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that was all. For those
1: that don't know what that is, that's a uh, country punk. It's a subgenre of punk. But yeah, that's
2: that's legit. So I don't yeah, know physical graffiti. I mean, it's got the cows. I love this can. This might be my favorite can that we've done yet, just because of the cows in the window.
1: I didn't even notice the cows at first. I know it's that's like funny. A, Little uh.
2: It's like a you know old, old New York street in the 20s, all exactly. shouting out the window at each other. Someone say, it
0: "Really get you in the mood." Oh, oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. God. All right. <laughs>
2: All right, what's brewing, Ohio? Uh, not not a whole lot going on. We talked last week. Uh, Oktoberfest season is right around the corner. Yeah, I've um, seen a
0: couple of them yeah, start, yeah. To, start to pop up in stores.
2: So be sure to check your local shelves or your local taproom for your Oktoberfest coming out. We're kind of getting out of the uh, Christmas in July season that everybody hopped on. Uh, but up in Cleveland, or uh, just south of Cleveland, Cleveland. Uh, Avon Brewing Company, who we have not had on the show, uh, they've got a few satellite locations up there in northeast Ohio, um, but they just took over uh, ZZ's Big Top. There's going to be a lot of ZZ Top things in here, so bear with me. Uh, they took over ZZ's Big Top, which was a longstanding uh, tavern in Avon. They closed uh, about two years ago. Uh, Avon Brewing Company took over, and they've resurrected that kind of like roadhouse, kind of like mm. street-side diner kind of area. Street-side bar and diner. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. Um, and they've kept like a couple of things. Like this place had like some famous spicy honey chicken wings called the bangerang wings, and they've kept those. So if you're from up there and have been missing some of those local I'm wing favorites, try bird, I'd be very interested. I don't know yeah, if the bangarang spicy, so. exactly. spicy wings, I don't know if they rival the the Magic City wings uh, we'll have to get williams up there um but also around there uh avon is opening a second brewery location in medina is it medina
0: yeah yeah, medina. Medina. yeah.
2: so the medina brewing company um they are the fourth brewery they're the fourth brewery to open in the city in the past 12 months um avon is uh putting the location another satellite location in there too um, so medina is kind of it's not that up. big. Yeah. Um, well, Medina's
0: popping with that. Apparently. You know,
2: that they, they've kind of got, like, a good farmer's kind of Amish market up there, too. Mm-hmm. And I guess the Medina Farmers Exchange um, is, like, a historic district up there. And it's been renovated. And then they've had all these breweries popping up up there. So if you're ever kind of in the Cleveland-Akron in-between area. Uh, Avon's got all these locations up and Maybe there. Maybe a little now, stop
0: on your way up to Cleveland. Exactly. And a couple breweries. Yeah, breweries. Don't are- drink and drive, but if you want to stay there, work it off a little bit. It seems like there's some nice restaurants.
2: Medina there, County too. popping up. Uh, other cool thing, uh, one of the more famous breweries out there in Ohio, um, especially in the Dayton area, is Yellow Springs Brewery. Uh, their flagship beer that I don't know if you guys have had the boat show
0: yeah, um, that's yeah, a good
2: one. it's very good beer. Um, it is their flagship beer, and it is the seventh anniversary of uh, Yellow Springs and their flagship boat show. So they are doing a double boat show, a double dry hopped version of the original. Clocks in at eight point seven percent. It will be releasing the second week of August. Uh, limited canning. This is going to be very popular. So if you're around the Dayton area, highly recommend jumping on it. Congratulations to Yellow Springs. We might have to jump on that. We might have to years. jump on the There's a lot of cool stuff happening. 30-rack road, 30 30 road trip. 30-rack road trip.
1: We keep what, talking about this. We got to put this We got to do it.
2: We got to do it. We're drinking the collaboration between Seventh Son and Little Fish this week. Uh, as always, you can go on org or at OhioCraftBeer on their social medias for more Ohio
0: brewery news. Guys, that's what's brewing in Ohio. And guys, we might have a couple of collaborations coming up here soon, so... Be sure to listen in to future episodes of, of 30 Rack. Keep your ears peeled. We have a new segment called Here's the Question. Uh, we're going to give a question with a couple sides, uh, potentially a thought-provoking question, probably not, and we'll see your the panel's opinions as well as your opinions at home. The expert uh, panel, opi- panel's opinions. Well, it's not an expert panel if you're on it. I'm, that part, and, I'm I mean, sure he was of. an expert in 90s American soccer. So. Oh, yeah,
2: I know. Huge
1: fan back then, not anymore. Okay.
0: <laughs> not since Sierra Mist was yeah, the jersey sponsor for the crew. Uh, so the question is, um, Tuesday night, as we mentioned earlier, both the crew and FCC got booted from the MLS's back tournament on okay. immediate penalties. So our question is, would you rather have the current – Uh, penalty kick format where the goalie has to stay on the goal line Um, you're at you're just 10 yards away at the pk spot going against them or the old hockey style penalty kicks where players used to start from 35 yards away and goalies could move off the line and move up kind of like a hockey style because back in 1996 uh when the mls first started they thought Americans aren't really too keen on ties. So instead of uh, just having draws and giving each other a point, we're going to go to the penalty shootout. So, uh, you know, Zach, you just saw the video of yeah. the old school penalty shootouts. Obviously, you've seen the regular penalty shootouts. Right. Um, I'm all for it. What's the quote?
1: What? Oh, yeah, I'm all for it. I, all for I, it? I think that – I mean, like, I don't think for you have to do the, it every uh, game. For the hockey style? Yeah, yeah, sorry. The hockey style. I mean, I don't know you do it every game, but, like, you know, instead of doing – I
2: I mean,
0: Instead I of regular think, penalty, right,
1: when you're in that position. When you're in that position, I think. If you haven't seen him, YouTube it. It's just uh, more interesting.
2: Great great Ohio uh, hockey-style shootout back in April of 97.
0: Uh, Who could forget?
2: Uh, it was the crew at Ohio Stadium hosting the now-defunct uh, Tampa Bay Clash, and they went to a hockey-style shootout. Uh, the crew won it 2-1. Uh, to Todd Todd Yegley, who is now the uh, men's coach for the Hoosiers, sorry, I mean yeah, Yeah. yeah. Yegley. Just he put that uh, in the fifth round. He put one uh, past the goalie, far post. uh, Ohio Stadium went nuts at that small little pitch there they had back in the day for the crew. But uh, at tiny little stadium out in Columbus, (laughs) (laughs) I I I I like it. I don't know if because in these tournaments that the crew in FC Cincinnati got bounced there was no extra time they just went straight from regulation to uh, penalties and I, I always hate that to just end regulation and go straight to penalties but if it was a hockey style shootout i know the rest of the world and soccer soccer purists hate it oh, but yeah. it is different like it's pretty cool it's, i think it's fun but soccer
0: purists hate the regular penalty shootouts anyways. hey so. yeah
2: i mean this this adds an element to it you get you know you've got 5 seconds to run in from 35 yards out both you and the yeah. keeper can move, and it's definitely pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not an
1: expert on this on side. I just think, from a goal turns perspective, right, right now, right, like you kind of guess. Like they just yeah. have to guess yeah, so the way what way you're what going. Say, so yeah. like, now they can come out and kind of defend, like you see hockey goals where they can kind of like cut your lane off. Adds a little more to it than just luck kind
0: of yeah because in you know in regular soccer you have you know most of the tournaments you have your 90 minutes if you're tied you get two 15 minute halves where you play the entirety of it Mm -hmm. and then if it's tied after that you go to pks by the pick my favorite kind i would say it would be the hockey playoffs where you just have a golden goal the next goal wins i think that would make the most sense but from these two options i think the hockey shootout is the better option just because like Zach said, it adds a little bit more skill. I know for the goalies, you have to, like, you know, in regular penalties, about reading their eyes and, and you know, doing some research on which way they normally go. Your homework but I now. think there's so much, like, pseudo-rule-breaking in this penalties. It's just not an exact art. You know, the, um, the taker has to run, you know, has to keep moving forward the whole time, and sometimes they'll, like, fake a little bit and the goalie will say well he stopped or well he didn't stop yeah the goalie has to stay on their line straight up and sometimes they yeah sometimes they move off the line so this one's just straight up and it's whether or not you can smother it you have a couple different it's not just you know more or less the same technique it's hey can we get it hey if you chase them out too far maybe they try to go right post and they miss it a little bit hey maybe we just stay back and kind of see what happens because they only have five seconds you have way more so. close
2: calls too. like a normal penalty like a normal pk it's pretty much like he missed it it was blocked or he made it like this mm-hmm. you're gonna have like an actual play them coming at each other i can see the concerns
0: for safety and everything but like it's, it's a sport def- man. Yeah, it's a sport and yeah. also I, I would like to see the statistics i know you know penalty kicks in soccer score all the time so this one i think because in a lot of times you'll get you know these super long round PKs where they just keep going and keep scoring and right. it's not as exciting. And you may be hoping for one stop. Yeah. You know, in this one, it's probably a couple stops and it's more like hockey where it's maybe closer to 50% instead of like the, yeah, I mean, the, yeah, almost yeah, we watched 90%. in that
2: crew clash one in 97 that I watched, uh, each of the first round, they made it. And then it was all blocks or misses. And then mm. on the final round, um, yeah we could put it in there but yeah see yeah. that's
0: more exciting instead yeah. of just
2: gosh i over hope over and over because wh- right. i mean
0: i know you probably felt the same way considering uh the crew and fc cincinnati goalkeepers stopped to combine zero of nine penalty shots yeah. against them uh you're just hoping at that point hey i hope our goalkeeper you well, know just guesses right but in this one you're like hey i hope we can make a play Right. right,
2: yeah, you're hoping for a play like, especially in that. I get in the MLS tournament where they're trying to, you know, limit play and everything. You've got concerns for conditioning, but on that same token, you don't have a lot of the homework to go off of yeah. that you would. Yeah, you don't like have a the whole, whole season. season, right? Yeah. Um, so I just hate the way that that. I understand why that had to end the way it did in the MLS's back tournament, but hockey style like breakaway shootouts would be so cool to and see. And we're that not just saying MLS. this
0: because our team's lost, because obviously it's easier to say that, like. We're American. Watching those, nine- exactly, Watching those yeah. 90s ones, super exciting. Also, super 90s. Which is well, yeah, you show. should check it career. out. The I mean, Astros turf, the 90s jerseys. Oh, I would God. like to see the stats, like you said, but
1: I mean, even on that video, we watched like a minute and a half. I think it's so, like one or two people make it. Yeah. Like it was a lot closer. Guys were diving the everywhere. Were yeah. yeah. It's all around. Yeah, better. instead
0: of, you know, it mm-hmm. was like nine of ten were made in the Cruiser. That's crazy. So it's just, I mean, it's, you know, 80% instead of maybe like 40 or 50%, which you would like to see. But soccer purists, you know, soccer fans, casual soccer fans, let us know. I have 30 Rack of Sports on all our social media accounts. Would you rather have this hockey-style PK format or just keep it how it is, the normal PK, and just see how it plays out? Alrighty, and now on to our second conversation where we're talking little college football. Favorite. If it uh, happens. Uh, college football. Very close on the horizon now as we're rolling into August here in Ohio. And um, the Power Five conferences have adjusted their schedules. So right now in the Power Five, the ACC has moved to a 10-game schedule, adding one of Zach's favorite schools. Uh, Notre Dame. The SEC has also went to a conference-only 10-game schedule, and then the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have gone to nine-game conference-only schedules. The only uh, Power Five conference to not have uh, decided what they're doing yet is right now the Big 12 is split between a 10 and 12-game schedule. So, no one cares about classic, the Big Twelve. Yeah, so, Big Twelve. Whoa, uh,
1: whoa, yeah, we do, do. So, They'll
0: decide the week of games. Yeah, yeah, I guess so Zach, we'll start with you. Um, out of these five just only conference schedules, if once again if college football happens, which one are you most excited to see a full slate of conference games? Completely objectively, of course.
1: I mean that's fair. Okay. Um, fine, I'll be objective. I would say it still always is the SEC. Big Ten's close, though.
0: Big oh, Ten's yeah, Big got Ten, a lot
1: yeah. of, like, it's right. not just because of Ohio State. I just think there's a lot of great teams in the East. You're seeing Minnesota come up in the West. But, yeah, I agree. SEC's one. I'd go Big Ten, two. Um, Big 12, Pac-12, 12, and ACC's crap. And I'm upset No, I'm going to join. And I. that's a whole other com- topic. And then I guess the other, the other
0: question for it would be, uh, you know, also adding in Josh's conversation, which conferences do you think this helps and hurts the most by having the conference-only schedule? Do you think maybe having an only Pac-12 schedule? Do you think if there's an uh, undefeated ACC or Pac-12 team, mm-hmm. they could, you know, be in better shape because they don't have the out-of-conference? Do you think uh, one-loss SEC team maybe put in over them? Which conferences do you think this helps and hurts having the conference-only schedule? I, I mean,
1: I think. I mean, I think not so much a conference. I think uh, it hurts Clemson big time, in my opinion. I think if they got that one loss and they're playing only conference and we're going to go in with these predetermined what conferences are good, what conferences are bad now, right? There's
0: just no crossover. Um, Yeah, you can't even see anything like how the Big Ten, you know, there's usually a couple games. Right, but but there's some kind of,
1: right, and you're not going to have that. And everybody, I'm sure like me, is predetermined that they're the fourth or fifth overall conference so if clemson has a slip up um and then you got a one loss sec team or maybe a one loss big 10 team um i they probably still get in because it's clumson but you know what i mean it'd be a harder yeah they have a higher likelihood in my opinion i of, think
0: the one conference i'm most interested in is the the nine game pac 12 because the 12 yeah. has been a conference that's been left out a lot but you're interested to see you know i know herbert's gone at oregon but you know um, Oregon's been a team that's been pretty solid, you know, Rose right. Bowl champions. It'll be interesting to see if you have a team like Oregon, cool. I would say if any team loses a the game, they might be out. But you look at like a 9-0 and Oregon team versus, uh, you know, a 9-1 and or 8-1 and or whatever it is, SEC team like a Georgia team. It could be very interesting to see kind oh, of yeah. the, the give and take there, whether they, you know, Give them for being all the teams on their schedule, or whether they value the SEC so much. I mean, more. I
1: agree. I think with any teams in the ACC or the Pac-12, that helps them yeah. if their conferences is Yeah, year. I
2: mean, it's it's do you, do you let go of from a college football playoff perspective? Do you let go of strength of schedule a little this year? Um, because like when you look at the Pac-12 and their last month of play last year, I know it's not the same. You know, with all the seniors graduating and everything, yeah. but when you look at that conference. I mean, it flip-flopped every every week all over the place in the last month of play last year. So entertainment value, it could be it could be good for the Pac-12, but college football playoff value, you know, how much are we going to value strength of schedule this year? I think yeah. they are. And I think I mean, I think you yeah, I I don't think even if you were to say, "No, we're not going to worry about strength of schedule this year," like that's a little disingenuous, like, I mean, it is what it is, like,
0: yeah, but it's tough to figure out what strength of schedule is when you're, you know, there's no crossover, right, I would say the other question would be, what teams do you think, you know, specifically teams, I know you mentioned Clemson, do you Mm -hmm. think this will hurt or help, and I think one of the teams that came to mind when I said would help is, I think a team like Wisconsin, this might actually help, right, just because, they're built to play Big Ten football. Exactly. And when you don't have to play, you know, sometimes they slip up early in the season when they have to play an SEC or Pac-12 team that the style is kind of off. When you're only playing Big Ten football, I think it's very interesting to see, you know, how that translates for them. Obviously, you know, Ohio State is the, the overall favorite, but how they can play the rest of their schedule. And, you know, there's going to be six games, I believe, in the Big Ten they have. You play... Your division, you know, east or west, and then there's three games of crossover, so it'll be interesting to see how that hurts or helps. And then obviously, Clemson probably hurts well, they're just playing because be of the
1: before games of crossover.
0: No, they're only playing a nine game schedule.
1: Oh, that's right. Sorry, I was thinking they're,
0: yeah, the so yeah. Um, and then Clemson that would probably hurt the most just because th- Notre Dame thankfully probably helps them, but aside of that, you think. Who's the second best team in the ACC? And you're pretty hard-pressed hey, team. Notre Dame. Yeah, Notre Dame. Dame well, outside, yeah, division. outside of Notre Dame. Oh, outside
1: did. of them. Yeah. North Carolina, blocks. maybe? Yeah, it would probably be North Carolina. And I still I think Matt do Brown's done up, a yeah. great job. Great but I still, job. Job. I still think they're another they're couple year or two yeah. away. You know, before you're, those not,
2: you're not going to have the recruiting necessarily that you would at mainly any schools because North Carolina you're just like they've done a good job. Football. They picked up. But some, they have, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, doing a great job. They they are a solid but,
0: team. yeah. But they're a team that you would expect to see, you know, in a nor- in a regular college football season, you would expect to see them at probably like 8 and 4. Right. Yeah. So, bringing it back,
2: local, let me pose a question for you guys here. Um, we're talking about strength of schedule um with college football playing conference-only schedules. Yeah. Think about teams in the mid majors, um, like Cincinnati Bearcats, for example, had that showdown scheduled with uh, Nebraska. Right. Um, MAC teams. I saw uh, between the Michigan teams, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, and Eastern Michigan, who are in the MAC. They've lost a combined like uh, seven or eight opponents to this. So it's just like, how much is that going to hurt your schedule? How much is that going to play in? I think looking as we always talk about maction action happens this year it'll be crazy I think, oh yeah i think you're going to have a little bit more of an even playing field um i think a lot of the in ohio play between your kent states and your miami who were great last year um and bowling green came on at the end um but how much is that going to hurt those teams obviously i don't think we see a dark horse from a mid-major this year because
0: yeah they don't, how, I how mean
1: they don't are have you talking way? Like, with UC, are we talking... I think it's going to... I mean, I think UC's got a chance to run
2: the... Right, that's not what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. um,
2: But can they still do that? Like, without a UCF... Like, can the American be strong enough between Houston, Memphis, UCF, and the Bearcats? I think so. I mean, because they're going
1: to take somebody. And so, assume... And this is all under assumption... Everything's working out as far as, sure. yeah, you yeah. know. And,
0: and especially by bowl season, they'll right. actually be able to play other teams.
1: Assuming that, I mean, I think with UC, I think this works perfect for them and the, uh, what Luke Fickle's built there to get in because, you know what else we looking at, Boise and the Mountain West, and yeah. you're, then you're going to start weighing is the Mountain West or the, I, I think the American, at least in football, might be a step above.
0: The other interesting thing is in some of these conferences is, you know, if, things get better or things get worse or things get delayed is whether or not they may open it to close out of conference schedules. If you get to the spring or something, because you look at a team like in the American, you have Cincinnati going from Maryland to Texas. Right. And that was another thing like Texas A&M's AD was talking about, you know, they're trying to limit travel. Well, there are, you know, like, a dozen FBS teams in Texas, but Texas A&M is expected to try to close the gap a little bit by going to South Carolina instead, Mm -hmm. stuff like that, so we'll certainly be interested for some of these, you know, big conference teams, maybe if things start to be better, whether they can relax and Possibly play a team sort of close because yeah. I know Texas A and M has talked about that for like a North Texas or something. Yeah.
2: Well, it's interesting you bring up North Texas and a lot of these not necessarily if you want to call them mid majors, you can. But like when you look at the the Sun Belt Conference, for example, um, there's millions of dollars in like these games that were scheduled with yeah, SEC the buy opponents. And right. Bye games. Millions of dollars that teams in the like conferences like the Sun Belt Conference. That need that money. Well, Mac that, talked about yeah, that, Mac yeah. too. Like that—that that money's in limbo now because those games aren't going to be and happening. Think, and how do you, how do you bounce back from that?
1: Right, and I think the Big Ten because they've had that specific deal with Mac schools. You know how that works. That I, I could be wrong. I thought that they might have worked out some kind of deal where they're still going to get a cut of that money that I, they would have been. I owed. would imagine
2: most um, you know small conferences. That have those, you know, multi-year deals with major conferences still get something? I, you never know, though. But I mean, yeah, but yeah, but
0: you look at a place where, you know, a lot of these small athletic programs are running, you know, obviously the deficit. Yeah. Every dollar counts. So. Yeah, I mean, It'll even if you're only like getting... interesting to see cut, the, but... the future repercussions, you know, you've seen at a lot of schools, you know, even all the way up to Stanford, cutting a bunch of...
1: Programs. Programs. No one's hit see. football yet, but yeah, you wonder even with the program like UAB, who had a really great comeback after being yeah. out a couple of years, has this hurt them? Yeah, um, this has hurt
0: some other schools that are kind of you know up and down, right. and then also there were you know teams that are maybe not as much FBS, but a few teams looking to go into the FBS, a few teams looking to move up to Division One in sports. So it'll certainly be interesting to see how that affects everybody. I mean, those ends where,
2: whether you want to admit it or not. Football is the moneymaker for collegiate for yeah. collegiate athletics. So it's I think if if everyone embraces the conference only thing and we more pay attention to the conference race and the conference champions and less about strength of schedule in the college football playoff, if it can even happen, right. then we can have a we can have a fun year still. Um, but yeah. obviously there's a lot of other health issues that we're not going to talk about that would have to you know mm-hmm. get cleared before any of this happens um but so i guess we'll here,
0: here's the last question just to kind of wrap this up say it gets delayed to the spring would you be okay with the spring college football season zach
1: mm. I, I don't know i mean yeah i would like if you if you want to get it in get it in um but you know you're, like a high state for I mean, you know, Justin Fields isn't going to play. I
0: don't blame yeah. why, why. Why yeah. would you do that? You're lose, yeah, those high programs are going to lose a lot. I mean, to me, players.
1: it's almost like, why even try to squeeze it in at that point? Just wait till next fall and hopefully all this other stuff is kind of under control and figured out.
0: Josh, what about you?
2: I, I am someone who is pretty against moving fall sports in general to spring sports. And I know that's been a high throughout the state of Ohio with the Ohio High School Athletic Association that has been some a big topic for much debate and you've seen states across the country that have moved their high school fall sports and their college fall sports to the spring Um, but with football man like you, you would have to abbreviate the season somehow you cannot make these you cannot make these kids they're i mean high school kids and college kids you cannot make them you know go into training play a full season in the spring and then it's like okay you got to jump into summer camp and then, right. okay then you got I mean, jump those guys aren't gonna season.
0: play is the like, problem
2: yeah you're either gonna play football for a whole year round basically which isn't good for you um or
0: playing football anytime isn't good for you right i mean
2: or you're you're gonna have guys yeah that are seniors that it would be stupid for them to play Anybody you know, who's
1: already guaranteed a third-round pick or lower, yeah, they're
2: not going to play. I'm, I, there are some things that I think you could move to the spring, but football is just like I don't uh, – at the college level, at the high school level, I just don't understand how you logistically just a lot that, that goes into getting ready for – anybody's even played high school ton, football. There's, yeah, there's a, a ton, a ton,
1: ton. of tra- – And you can't be playing
2: – you cannot be playing football. All, it's not like no. baseball where you can play you can do your winter leagues and your fall leagues right. you can play all you need long. to really yeah In you baseball, cannot you need do that to, but yeah, you, you can't just can't do it. Uh-uh.
0: So what do you my, think Greg my football brain says football is football give me more football I, I'll, yes, but yes but. also from the health respects you kind of understand it and it would kind of be a shallow football season I would say safety would come first and at the end of the day probably be delayed but also i think you run into a whole lot of problems after that with red shirts and whatnot so it's
1: just too complicated
0: it's all unfortunate but
1: sorry guys you're not gonna play
0: yeah but um be sure to give us your thoughts uh which conferences are are best poised to be successful with this conference only schedule uh would you be okay with football in the spring let us know at 30 rack podcast on facebook twitter and instagram Hell yeah, hell nah is our next segment where we put on a potentially controversial, although in this case, I don't know if it's really controversial topic, and we say whether we agree or not, hell yeah or hell nah. So, our question for today is, Tuesday night, there was a little bit of a fracas between Curcuffle. the, yeah, kerfuffle, Curfuffle. between the Dodgers and the Astros, of course. The Dodgers were the team that faced the Astros in the World Series when they won their tainted World Series because of the trash can banging, among other things. So there was um, some drama, most notably between Carlos Correa and Joe Kelly, where there was a pitch thrown up near the head, although Joe Kelly is very wild. Then Kelly was able to strike out Correa. There were some words exchanged, some uh, facial expressions exchanged. And then the benches were cleared. From this, uh, Joe Kelly was suspended eight games of a 60-game season. Manager Dave Roberts of the Dodgers was suspended one game. Uh, Kelly has appealed, so he's still waiting on that. Roberts served his one-game suspension. And then Astros manager Dusty Baker, who had some comments after the game, was fined a, quote, undisclosed amount. $20. Twenty dollar. Uh, yeah, it's got to be something $20.
1: stupid or nothing.
0: So Zach, we're gonna start with you. Kelly, Roberts, suspensions. Hell yeah, they deserve it or hell oh, nah. Why would you give them this? Hell nah, no, no.
1: I mean, you're considering again. This is it's Rob Manfred, man. This guy's ruining baseball. Terrible. Like terrible, it's just awful. First of all, I. The intent questions on there, who knows? I he is wild,
0: like that's the thing. Like, I don't know, like, he's pretty he broke a window at his house during like the summer layoff yeah. trying to work on pitches, yeah. right? Your yeah. change up <laughs> so poorly that he <laughs> broke a window, he I missed mean, the entire net. Anybody so, who's
1: seen Joe Kelly pitch through, uh, yeah, he's wild. I, you know, he and, even
2: said he even said to Altuve, I think, is the one he said it to. He's like, I don't. I don't have good control. Sorry.
0: Yeah, like I don't. I don't think. Yeah, because I believe he hit Altuve or almost hit Altuve yeah, right. a couple batters before.
1: And my thing yeah. is, I think it, they were trying to come down because it was like head hunting is how they're taking it, which is serious. And it was like a 97 mile an hour pitch. But my my thought is, I don't think guys are head hunting throwing 97. If he really wanted to hit him, he just would have threw you know 90, 92 right in the right in the back. I, it's just baseball. They don't seem to know how to get anything right. No, no. They, neither of them deserve a suspension. I don't think anybody did. Nothing got out of hand. It was funny, honestly, the whole exchange.
0: Yeah, the, they should have just honestly, let it go. I could see like, warnings. Warnings for everybody. Yeah. Fine. Really, if you thought something. He didn't even get thrown out of the game.
1: Sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean,
0: he didn't even get thrown out of the game. If something interesting was going on, maybe sit Kelly down for a game. Maybe. I don't, I wouldn't Maybe, agree yeah. with it, but I would be like, okay, whatever. But eight games when game. no one on the Astros got anything. And anything. you think about it, you know, in past years when guys were throwing at people or getting in fights, they would get like six games of an 162-game right. season. This is the equivalent of... I believe basically like 28 games. Uh,
2: it's it's 22 games I think. Okay. It's uh, the equivalent to like 21.6 games or
0: something. Oh wait, no, so yeah, it's 2.7 2. 2. 7, yeah, games Yeah, so it would be 21.7, so yeah. So you you're, but yeah, going, you're hell. going hell no, nah, Greg. Oh, hell, nah. Not I mean, hell nah. I like, mean I just I don't understand ridiculous. it. Ridiculous. I think it's way too harsh and He's my I think hero. you set an interesting precedent also when either you're giving preferential treatment to those attacking the Astros or any time someone gets a pitch up and in and the one thing that I think a lot of you know fans don't understand is, you know, they've shown it in some, you know, baseball research. The difference between hitting the inside corner of the plate and hitting a batter is like an inch of where your hand mm-hmm. is is, you know, coming through. Just because of, you know, when it kind of veers off and everything. So if someone's a little bit wild and doesn't you know, understand his pitches, and you could tell even when he was trying to strike people out, Puttons Joe Kelly could not figure out that fastball. That's why he had to strike out uh, Correa on all breaking balls because he could not get that fastball over the, over the plate. And you've seen that with a lot of hard-throwing pitchers. I saw it with Kimbrell the other day against the Reds. He just could not find a yeah. play with his fastball. So it happens, and I think – it's a bad precedent, and I think it's kind of overzealous when baseball Very has overzealous. Well, plenty more interesting things, plenty more important things to deal and with. And you could right. have
2: set a precedent when, if you would have just gone ahead and suspended players that were involved in this cheating scandal. And you want to know how I know they were involved in a cheating scandal? Because last year they knew the pitches that were coming. This year, in an O in, two, in a two-game series, a two-game series, Altuve, Bregman, Springer, and Reddick went O for twenty-eight at the plate.
0: Is that good? That's
1: ah, bad. Did you oh, hear Orr Hershizer throw that little jab at him on the oh, telecast? Yeah, yeah. He's the like,
2: telecast it's harder pretty, when you don't know yeah. what's coming. Oh my God, that was perfect. Uh, so maybe you should have just set the precedent then and maybe Rob, Rob Manfred. Like I said, one time
1: game, time. fine. But yeah, like you, when, you take, when you when you I think about the eight game. games and we're only playing 60 games, Like I wasn't even thinking about that. It's an absurd amount of games. Like what it makes up of the season. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Hell no. Nah. You're my hero, Joe. My so hero.
0: let us know whether you think Hell yeah or hell nah on the the Dodgers, uh, Joe Kelly, and Dave Roberts suspension. And let us know whether or not you think anyone else should have gotten suspended, whether it's Astros players or anyone else involved in the fracas. Let us know at 30 Rackets Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Alrighty, and now to wrap up our show, thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rackets Sports. We're going to get to our quick shout outs. Zach, who you shouting out this week? Uh, just real quick,
1: shout out uh, Mike Golick. Uh, obviously, his run, at least on the radio, ended. Um, so, wish
2: him well. And we
1: all grew up listening to him. So. Oh yeah, I
2: a mean pioneer. Mike and Mike Golick, and we yep, go all exactly. the way through pioneer in the industry. Yep. Over to you, Josh. Uh, I got to give a shout out the NASCAR. I know we're going to talk NASCAR here for a second. They did a drivers, <laughs> they did a drivers like study poll on who the best all-time drivers were. Uh, Jimmy Johnson won with thirty-seven percent which is fair. Guys got like seven championships.
0: Like six in a row too. Yeah, yeah. Six, yeah. like
2: absolute domination. So that's fair. Richard Petty, the king, came in second. Uh, really? The Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt, came in at third. But then at fourth was Kyle Busch with 11%. And I just want to point Harvard out Kurt and Bush give a guy. shout out to uh, one Jeff Gordon, who has the most wins in the modern era, third most wins all time, uh, most polls in the modern era. I, I have no idea how Jeff Gordon does he, not at least crack the top five in that. Right, but, but he's Bush, not very well-liked, is he? Is I, that apparently something? not. Yeah. There's Kyle Busch. Uh, yeah, I guess Kyle that's there. Kyle Busch is whiny as hell, man. He got 11% oh. uh, third most wins all time. Doesn't crack the list of that's insane. of greatest all time.
0: So shout can. out to Jeff and that, Jeff Gordon that rainbow card that on he, he had. The list. Yeah. Um, my shout out is going to go, of course, to the association, the NBA, We back. Second day it was back Two overtime games A lot of good messages From a social justice standpoint Good games In the bubble Things seem to be going well from a testing standpoint So shout out to the association For getting a lot done And giving me some good basketball I am so happy basketball is back So thank you so much For listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports For Zach to the right of me for Josh on the ones and twos. 30 Rock. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening. Peace.